Let's pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to uh, uh, to study to this morning together. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come together to worship. We uh, we in honor of you, Father, and we we're in awe of you and of your power and your majesty, and we just can't say thank you enough. Father, bless us this morning as we study and as we worship, that all of this will go up as a sweet aroma to you. And Father, as we join with our kids uh, this afternoon after lunch, and uh, and uh, and listen to them and listen to, to what they've accomplished and how good it is that what they're doing. And we just pray, Father, your blessings on all of that effort as well. Thank you for being for bringing us here. Thank you for the opportunity. Bless us, Father, as we study. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John chapter 16. I'm going to review a little bit because what he's going to say right off the bat is pertinent to what, he, what he's going to say here. Jesus has told him in chapter 15, and remember I told you this is a this is a discourse. 15, 16, part of 14, 15, 16, and 17 is a discourse to his disciples, and I believe to us. Chapter 17, at the beginning of chapter 17, that my prayer is not for you only. My prayer is not for you only. He's talking to the apostles. But my prayer is for all of those who will believe on me through your word. That's us. Okay, that's us as well. So then he's talking to us. Now some of it, he's talking specifically to them. Some of it, he's talking to all of us as, as a whole. And here he's... he's it, this, is a, this is a discourse right before he's going to go to the garden and right before he's going to go to the cross. So he knows he's gone. And he knows that these guys are going to be on their own. He knows, and he's, and he's fearful for them, okay? And he tells them in chapter 15, he said, I'm the, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He said, unless you're plugged in and grafted into me, he said, you will not bear fruit and you will not be accepted by God. He said, you will be obedient to what I, what I tell you because what I've told you is exactly what the Father's told me to tell you. He said, you're going to bear fruit. He said, you're going, to, you're going to learn how to love each other. And he said, you're going to, uh, you're no longer going to belong to the world. Now, the world part of you is going to be gone. Now, he knows that's not going on right now. There's still some issues they have. All right? He knows that. And he said, and then at the end of that discourse, he said, and he said, the Holy Spirit is coming to testify about me. And he said, I want my joy, the joy I have. What he said, I want my joy. The joy I have of being obedient to the Father. He said, you ought to be happy for me that I'm going back to the Father. Because the Father's greater than I am. He said, I'm going to get to go back to Him. He said, you, he said I want that joy I have to be in you. So that your joy can be complete and be full. Because, and what he's telling is, your joy can't be complete without the joy of Christ and the joy that He had for His Father and obedience to the Father is in you. He said, your joy won't be complete, not ever. Because you're going to try all kinds of things to try to make that joy complete, and it's going to fail miserably every time. All right? And then he, and then at the end of chapter 15, and we're going to read this first, uh, it says, When the Advocate comes, or the Comforter that they have, that's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth that goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Now we know He's talking to those disciples. Those, those 11 that are there and all the rest of them that are there, that's who he's talking to. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then I want you to look at the very first sentence of chapter 16. He said, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. There is, there is, I have to be careful, alright? There is a, there is an ideology out there that says that once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Okay? That is not what he said here. What does he just say? I'm telling you this so that you will not fall away. Well, why is he telling that? There's no chance of them falling away. There is a chance. 
There is a chance of them falling. There's a chance of us not doing the things we're supposed to do, of us going back to where we came from. He said, I'm telling you that I'm writing this to these guys so that you won't fall away because he knows what's coming. Listen to what he tells them. He's going to tell them two things are going to happen. He said, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a sacrifice to God. They will do these such things because they have not known the Father or me. Now, two things. He said, they're going to put you out of the synagogue, which is a death sentence financially, emotionally, psychologically, all of that. Because that's what, the whole thing revolved around the synagogue. And he said, and then they're even going to kill you. So they're going to put you to death. And they're going to think that they're doing a great service to God by killing you and putting you out of their misery. And that's, that's happening. That happens all through the New Testament, you see them. What are they going to do? They're going to try to stone Paul to death. We looked at that when we studied in Acts chapter 15. They, they, and because he enjoyed so much what he was doing, he went back to the same city where they tried to stone him to death. Because he said, I'm not going to let that get to me. I'm tickled and I'm happy that, I'm, that this is happening to me. And he said, that's what's going to happen. I'm just warning you that you won't fall away. I'm going to tell you this stuff. This is why they're going to do that. They're going to put you out of the synagogue. They're going to kill you. And they're going to think that they're doing it for the right reason. Because they don't know the Father and they don't know me. Look at what he said in verse 4. I have, I've told you this so that when, they're, when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to, going to him who sent me. None of you ask me where you where you are you going. Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. Now, while Jesus is here, while he's been here with them, he's protected them. Satan could not do the things that he that he's going to do because when when their time comes, because they're going to have a time when they're going to get to start doing what they want to do. He's going to turn it over to them and let them go. And he said, "I've protected you." They've not been able to do what needed what they needed to do and what they wanted to do because I've been here with you. He said, but I'm going back. He said, I'm going back to the one that sent me. And we've known, we've talked about this before. He said, he said the words I spoke, he said the very things I am. He said, I love him because he loved me. And he said, I want you to learn that stuff about the Father, that the Father's love may be in you. And he, and he says here that the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter is going to come. All right? He said, I'm going to send him. And so that you won't fall away. And I said all these things so, so you won't fall away. Because this is what's coming. You know, they're going to they're gonna arrest me. And they're going to put me in jail. They're going to beat me. And they're going to kill me. What do you think they're going to do to you? Okay? That's what, that's, what they're, that's what the prospects are for them. Over In fact, after Jesus is dead and buried, they, they're hiding in an upper room. When the Holy Spirit finally comes, they're hiding in an upper room. Because they're afraid. So evidently, there's been some things that happened already. Things have been going on already. Once Jesus is out of the way, what do you think these evil people are going to do? Going to go after them. Because they believe. You know, Gamaliel tells, tells the, the, the Pharisees, said, said, if this is from God, there's nothing you're going to be able to do. He said, but if it's not from God, this is going to go the way it, all the rest of them have gone. He said, you're not going to be able to stop it if it is from God. And, you know, when, when, he, when he does go... He said, I'm, listen, listen to what he said, very, verse 7, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Okay? Why is it so important that the Holy Spirit comes to them? Why is it so important that we have that Holy Spirit with us? Why is that so important, guys? Why is it so important that this, that this Holy Spirit is, is there? It's going to remind them and teach them. Because Jesus is going to tell us in this text, he could... We, he could only teach us a certain amount. He was only here for a time. 
The Holy Spirit's going to come and fill that up. He's going to teach us even more about what God's like and what we're supposed to be like. He's going to teach us even more. So is that is that why it's important to you? Why is it important to you that you have the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit lives with you and lives in you? Why is that important? So you can have a relationship. So I can have a relationship. Okay. All right. What were you going to say, Scott? It says at the end of chapter 15 so that we can testify. So that we can testify. The Holy Spirit's going to testify. We're going to testify as well. He's going to use us to testify about the Savior, about the message, about the gospel. That's why when he when he tells us in, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is going, he says, go into all the world and do what? Preach the good news. Preach the good news. Make disciples of them. Baptize them. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. All right? So How is that going to... They're going to need it to write the gospel. Yeah. They're going to need... These guys are going to write these gospels. Right? They're going to write... The, the New Testament. He's going to inspire them to write. You know, and you know, Paul even tells us in, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, y'all studied it, that the that, that let a person, if he wants to be spiritual, or, or let him acknowledge that the things I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Paul said, I'm getting these commands straight from him. Through the Holy Spirit, I'm getting these commands. Now, so why is it important? I, it's important to me because, because it proves to me that God was true. It proves to me that what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, that, that what God's promised to give me is real. It proves to me that, that I have been blessed, you have been blessed, we have been blessed with that indwelling that he promised as a down payment. And if he's willing, he's going to give me a down payment, then he's going to give me the full thing. And that, that's, that's important to me. It's important to me to know that that, uh, that Well, I'm going to read this and then we'll go, we'll go there. But look at what he said. He says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong or convict the world. I don't like this. This is the new, the new NIV. And I don't particularly like that. I like the word convict. He said, he convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay? We'll stop right there. What's it going to be his job when he comes here? What's part of his job going to be? And what do you think it means to convict? What do you think that means? Guilty. Huh? That we were guilty. That we're guilty. Okay? Pronounce a verdict. He's going to pronounce a verdict. How are they going to do that? How are they going to pronounce a verdict? That if a, that, that how's he going to do that? How is he going to pronounce verdict? You say, well, look at what he said. Look, look, at, look at what he said here. He said, about sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about the judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So, what is the Holy Spirit's mission going to be here? To convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. How is he going to do that? How does he do that? How does he testify? How is, how is the Holy Spirit going to do that? Part of how, he's, how is he going to do that? What's he going to do? What do you think? He's going to use us. We're going to testify. He's going to testify through us. He's going to testify on, on Christ's behalf, and he's going to use us in part of it. How else do you think that he convicts the world of sin? He said, he said right here, he said, when it's sin, because people do not believe in me. How is, how is the world going to be convicted of sin that the people who are disobedient do not believe in Christ? How are they going to be convicted of What would you do in a court? Well, how would you convict someone? Bring evidence, right? You bring evidence. If you have enough evidence, what's going to happen? You'll convict the person of what he's accused of. 
How's he going to convict the world of sin? Bring enough evidence. What's the evidence he's going to bring? What's the evidence? Wrongdoings. Wrong okay. The letters to the church. The letters? The word? Well, we're not <coughs> obeying his commandments to love one another. Okay. What's going to happen when you walk into a room as someone who's been washed by the blood, has been cleansed by the by the power of God, and you walk in and your life does not match the rest of it? What happens? What do you think happens? Is your life a testimony to the to the righteousness and to the guilt of sin? Is it? You walk into a room and you and you will are you walk into with a a place with your friends and you will not participate in the things that you used to participate in and now they still do. What's going to happen? How is that going to be a testimony for them? Huh? It, it, will it prove that there's something different? A lot of people in the world, guys, they don't know that there's anything different. These these people here believe what they're doing is right by killing these guys. They thought it was right. They thought they were... Paul says in Acts chapter 22, he said, I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I was zealous for God. But what I did was wrong. And then somebody reached up and sucks him in the mouth. What did they realize? That's what happened. Go read it. What happened? You know, what what did the what is his testimony? What is his, you know, the words, the words that we speak in here, the words that, that are spoken to, to, this morning, the words that are spoken that, that Cole or I or Dan or whoever studying with someone, that's a testimony to Christ. It's a testimony to the to the, the the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. Because that's what sin is. It's not believing that he was who he claimed to be. Not believing in the message. Why do you tell us to go and preach the gospel? Because it says it's the power of God unto salvation. And we go and we preach the gospel. And we and we teach that. And it, and it convicts the world. Not the world, but it convicts people in our lives of sin. They may not respond to it, but it convicts them that there is a difference. You know, I've, I've, I've seen people before that, that, uh, that, uh, that have told others, Man, I want to be like you. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be like Christ. I want to present Christ to you, and I want you to become like that. Better than I am. I don't want you to be like me. Man, I'm flawed. I'm flawed, man. i got all kinds of issues. I want you to be like him, but I want to present him to you so that you can make that choice to be, to be with him. That's what it means to convict the world of sin. You know, when you know, we used to go to the jail a lot. Went for a long time. Nancy and them are still trying to go. Mark and Cole are going to try to get to the, into the Stevenson unit. They're still working on the logistics of it to go. I think next month. I think they're planning on going. You know what are they going for? What are they going for? Because that's a place where sinners are. That right? Not right, Claire. Eleven hundred seventy-three of them. Not all of them will want to hear. Not all of them, but some of them. And and what what are they? What what is their hope? To go and teach them the truth about the sinful lives they were living and teach them that there's a better way. Look at what he says next. He said, to convict the world of sin and righteousness. But righteousness because I am going to the Father. How how can how does that convict the world of, of righteousness? Him going to the Father. How did that do that? Come on. Anybody? How do you think it how do you think it does that? How does him going to the Father convict the world of righteousness? I mean, it proves what was prophesied is true. It proves that the Bible is true. It proves okay. that the gospel is true. I mean, it causes you to have faith. I mean, these, okay. these guys started on a boat, and Jesus got frustrated with them because they didn't have enough faith. Yep. They've got Jesus with them. Now mm -hmm. Jesus is going to be gone. 
it doesn't work if he just dies. Yep. He, he's got to die and go to the Father, which is what's talking y'all, about. Y'all hearing this? He's got to die and go to the Father. There is no righteousness without him dying and going to the Father. Him dying and putting him in, a, in, a, in a box or being put in a tomb, man, I can do that. Hale can do that. You know, we can all do that. Coming out of the tomb and ascending to the Father, I can't do. Not apart from him. I can't do that. And so him going to the Father proves that he has fulfilled and completed the work he set out to do and brought righteousness to the world. What were they trying to get righteousness from before? Obedience to the law. Right? Obedience to the law. That's how they were trying to get it. What do we know about the law? It cannot take away sin. It cannot make you right. It can only make atonement for, but it can't make you right. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. It needed the blood of the pure, unspotted lamb that it talked about in, in Isaiah chapter 53. So, you know, it fulfilled prophecy. So that's how righteousness, what happens when, when how, how, you act, how do we act and respond differently when I know that righteousness has come in my life? True righteousness has come in my life. That's what we talk about, about trusting and believing in Him. Believing that I, I have righteousness in my life, that I am right with God. That's what it means. How did it change a person's life? Does it change them? I think lot. it's the symbolism of the veil being torn. You, I mean, you, I can you now have an opportunity an intercessor with, with the Father. You've I never went, had that chance before. We went to the Father just a while ago. Not because I'm any good, but because Christ is. Because we went with His blood. He went first and then opened the veil so I can go into the holy, mostest holy place, the Holy of Holies, where God is. I can go in there. And I can go there and plead my case and say, thank you, Father, for being an honorable, glorious, awesome God that you are. Yeah, James? I kind of like to look at it kind of like a door being open. Okay. You know, as you study more and more of the Word, you know, the door tends to stay open and kind of break off of the block. Gradually, slowly. Okay. Slowly. You know, so. but what, what makes the, the door open possible is the righteousness of Christ. Not mine. I can't be that. Neither can any of you. We can't be that. Yeah, Kale. Our relationship with God starting with the change of the sacrifice of Christ. We no longer have to have an intercessor to go to God for us for our sin, but God loves That's exactly right. You know what Kale said, and that's when I repeat this for the camp, but you know, that, that our our relationship with God is directly hinged on Christ. Without it, there is no relationship with God. And, and we don't have it. We, we had an intercessor, a mediator, and he bridged the gap between us. That's what the breaking of the cutting of the veil, the, the tearing of the veil means, that now I have access to the Father. That's right. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to tell it. It's going to convict the world that, you know, do you believe that Christ rose from the dead and ascended into heaven? Do you? How did it change your life? How did it make you different? Did it make you different? Did, pe did people did people that you knew before that they recognize something was different about you? Did they? Did they recognize? You know, Vincent, you and I've talked about this at length. We, you know, yeah. Did they they recognize something was different? Did it cause problems? In some instances, it does, right? But people realize something's different about this individual that wasn't there before. What was it? And you tell them, Hey, I got Jesus, man. Jesus has has cured me, healed me, con convicted me, and made me right with Him. And he said, come on, man, you're the same person you were before. No, I'm not. What's different? I'm different inside. I may still do things from time to time that are not appropriate. All right? 
But I have an access to the Father now that I did not have before, and I am eliminating those out of my life. More and more as the day goes along, I'm eliminating those things out of my life. And when I'm reminded of something else, I try to eliminate that one as well. It's going to be an ongoing process. Hopefully, Jesus will come back for me and find me still working to do that. Okay? You know, so so that's my lifestyle. My my verbal lifestyle is going to convict the world in of itself because, I, because the Holy Spirit is going to give me words to say and give me opportunities. And then he tells me, and but you, know, you have to be careful because I have to take a step with the Spirit. Spirit brings a lot of, of, of spiritual gifts, okay? Fruits of the Spirit is what it's called in the book of Galatians. And I have to start adding those to my life. And it's going to change who I am. It's going to change how people perceive me. It's going to change how the world perceives me. You know, it's going to change how I, did, how I do business, how I, how I treat my wife, how I treat my kids. It's going to change everything about me. And it's going to scream, something's different about this individual. I need to look at this. Not everybody. Some are going to want to kill you. Maybe not literally, but they're going to want to put you out of their life. I want, you, I want this guy away from me. I don't want to deal with this anymore because this guy makes me uncomfortable. I want to make people uncomfortable. I had a guy one time that I used to hunt with. And, uh, and I used to drive to San Antonio. And then, and then we'd get in his car and we'd go and we'd stop in, in, a, in a town going to where we were going. And he'd stop and get corn. Bags and bags and bags of corn. And, uh, and we went in there one day and, and, and we loaded like 10 bags of corn. And we drive off, and he showed had never seen. Started laughing. He said, "He said that's pretty cheap corn." So I got it for one price of one bag. I wasn't there with him. I didn't see it. And I looked at him and I said, "Let me tell you something. Don't you ever do that again." I said, "Because if you do, and I find out, I said I'm going to get. I'm going to make you let me out on Interstate 10, and I will find a way home. But I'm not riding with you. I'm done." Right. Three weeks later, we went again. Drove up to the same HEB, same thing, and he got and he and he and he got back in the car and he grinning and he hands me the receipt and we loaded five bags and he and he got charged for five bags. And I said, Thank you, man. Because I really didn't want to have to walk home. <laughs> but I would have if I had to. And it changed that moment. Not for but it changed. Just from me standing up for what the principles were, I'm not no better than anybody else. You've done it too. Y'all had those stories where somebody has been affected in a positive way by quick. How you stood up and said, I won't do this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not going to cuss anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do that. Whatever it is. And that's what the, how the Holy Spirit convicts us and convicts the world through us. Okay? And then spreads all these fruits of the Spirit. Now look at the last. And he said, and he said, and without judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. What happened at the cross? What happened at the cross? Satan was found guilty and sentenced. All right? Sentence hadn't been carried out in full yet, but it will. It will. But at the cross, what did he do? What was the promise in Genesis chapter 3? You remember what the promise was? It's called the mother promise. He's looking at Mary. He's looking at the snake. He's looking at Adam. And he says, tell you one day, one day, your seed. The seed of woman. You know, the seed of the cynic is going to bite the seed of the woman on the heel, but he's going to strike you on the head. And it's the beginning of the promise that Jesus was coming. doesn't say it, but it says his seed. And if you go into later on in the, in the I think it's the book of, of Exodus, and then in, I think for Second Corinthians, it says, and Jesus was that seed. Jesus was the seed that was coming. And so he came and, and broke Satan down. But his time, he's here right now. He's alive and well, but he's been convicted and found guilty. And he will be sentenced at some point. 
But that's what he said. He said he's going to convict the world of judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. How do, how do I help testify to that end? How do I help do that? With the Holy Spirit living in me, how do I help do that? Tell me. How do you think you help help convict the world of judgment to come? Even, uh, oh, somebody over here. What? By teaching them the Word of God. Okay, great. What do you say? By living differently than what the world has. By living differently. So this all kind of revolves around the same thing, doesn't it? Us living a life that screams, this is what's happening here. Could these guys do this without the Holy Spirit? Jesus said no. He said, you're going to need some help. That's why he sent him. He said, and if I go, he said, I, I'm going to send him. So he says that the that the, the prince of this world is condemned, but yet if, on the other hand, he said, he said, when their time has come, in the, in the verses right before that, so we know that Satan's going to get unleashed for a while. Okay? Can't do whatever he wants. Because we know that he's had to go ask permission at times. Peter, remember Peter? You remember him? What is what is the Jesus tell said Peter? Satan has come and asked to sift you like wheat. Okay? Remember Job? What does Satan do? Goes to God and says, Man, the only reason you let you he's doing that is because you got your hands all over him. Take your hands off. Okay. You can't kill him. And so Satan gets permission. I wonder if it's like that today. It's still like that. That Satan's running around and, and needs permission to chomp on my life. I don't know. Sure looks like it. You know, tells us that God will not allow us to be tempted more than we can bear. What is the what is the what is the opposite of that? That he is gonna that that may be allowed in my life. Just not so much that I can't bear it. And with every temptation, he said, I'll give him a way give you a way of escape. I'll give you a way out. Okay? I know that. So I know that my job here, if I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and that keeping in step with Him and He's leading me, and I've got to, I've got to follow, I've got to keep in step, that I have a job to do. We have a job to do as a church and as individuals to go in all the world, preach the gospel, preach about this Jesus, this this crucified, risen, ascended Savior. Preach about the judgment that's coming apart from Him. Without Him, nobody. I I, you know, I heard somebody the other day said said well. I was watching some program and said, and somebody had died. And they said, "Well, I'm sure I'm glad that they're watching over us now, and, and that they're that they're going to uh, they're going to help us in all the problems we're having." No. Doesn't say that in here. No. Doesn't say that. Does it? Doesn't say that 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 my people in my life, you know, I don't even know what happens to them. I, I'm not their judge. What happens to them? I know that Christ is there. Christ is making intercession. I know the Holy Spirit lives with me. And I know that their goal is to for me to go to heaven and for me to for us to take as many as we can with us. I know that's the goal. Alright? Now, he said, he said, I have much more. Does anybody have a question about any of that? Don't agree? Anything? Wow. Must have been okay then. I think it's uh oh. Spoke too soon. Go ahead. <laughs> I think it's just uh, I mean for at least I would even say this more of a, a men thing in the room than it's women, but I mean we, we have this idea of having to check a box yeah. and that once once that box is checked we're done and this is an ongoing thing mm -hmm. you know in the Corinthians when he talks about first Corinthians 10 about not needing or not being able to be tempted more than we can bear he also then says we're there's going to be a solution provided so you yeah. can endure it yeah. and and that doesn't it doesn't mean you're 
protected. That doesn't I mean, that just means there's a way out and that, that you are going to have to endure it, but you can endure it because you have the Word mm-hmm. or because you have Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that throughout all of the letters to the churches, it's they felt like they arrived because they had checked. I've been baptized. I, I go to church. I, but we, we live in a, in a box-checking society. Would you say that's true? Get up in the morning, I got I got this, 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 and this to do. And if I get all those things done, then it's been a successful day. Right? We have, we have that mindset. When you bring that into that mindset into the church, I have this, this, this. Now I'm not saying, you know, that well, I got a class at nine o'clock, I got a, I got a worship at ten. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you if you think that you're gonna be saved because you've checked enough boxes, boy, you're gonna be disappointed. Okay? Because that's not the way this works. This is not a country club, guys. Not a country club where you can go to where you get to go and eat for a bit and go fellowship with a bit and then go home and then next Sunday you come back and get entertained all over again. That's not the way this works. That's not the way Christianity is. This is not a country club. This is a church. This is a called out members of God's body. I like to call it a hospital. People are in one state of recovery or another. Every one of us here is in one state of recovery or another. You know, and the great physician is the one who practices here. That's that's what I like. I like to call it. Yes, sir. We don't have boxes. Yeah. And one of the things that I've noticed is that it's often hard to see your own people. Yeah. Others can see. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was reminded of that recently when I, uh, when I read the book. And uh, noticing persons I have not seen. Yeah. And uh, that, that to me was a very uh, big encouragement. Good. I, you know, I think what Kale's saying is, is it, you know, it's a. We have, all of us have talents and fruits and whatever you want to call them that we're capable of doing. And sometimes people need to need to recognize that and, and point it out. And when they point it out, you look at it and say, wow, man, you know, that, that's awesome, man. I didn't realize that that's how people saw me or saw this or whatever it was. You know, when we're talking about boxes to check, you know, all of us have those in our lives. When it comes to, to religion and spirituality, that's a very dangerous place to be. That if I say enough prayers, if I go to church enough times, if I do enough good deeds, that God has to save me. No, He doesn't. No, He doesn't. He saves us because of the sanctifying work of the, of, of, of the Spirit and of what Jesus did on the cross and ascended into heaven. That's why He saved us. And we do those things because that's what He did. Because He did that. And we prove to the world that there is a real Jesus with a real message and a real place called heaven because of how we live our lives. That we live them because we realize I am confident, absolutely 100% confident, that I have been given a down payment, and that means heaven's coming, and all I have to do is stay focused and stay faithful to Him. And if I do that, then I'm going to go to heaven. I believe that. I can't function any other way. I can't function wishy-washy. I can't function in boxes. I did that for a long time, and it doesn't work. It makes you more... It just it make, it made me more disgruntled. It made me more... Going, wait a minute, this doesn't seem to fit. How come I have checked this box and you don't? That kind of thing. Why are we checking this box today? We didn't have to check it last week. Or why are we not checking it now and we had to check it last week? I don't understand. You know, what changed it? I want it to be I want it to be uniform and the Holy Spirit makes it uniform for me. I know what this I know what the gifts are. I know what his direction is. I, I hear I know what his job is and I know what my part of it that is. I've got to be I gotta work in tandem with him or I'm gonna be against him. Simple as that. 
All right. So I'm going to try to be. Look at what what Jesus said. We're going to finish this up. Because I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will speak. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will that that I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. What did Jesus say? He said, God's the Father's given me everything. Ephesians chapter one said everything was put in subjection to him. Everything. He sat down at the right hand, everything was put under his feet. So he said, Everything that the Holy Spirit's going to do, I'm going to tell him what to do. I'm going to give him the marching order. And he's going to do it. So he said, and he's going to he's going to guide you in all the truth. Okay. I, how's he going to do that? He's going to do it do it through our study of God's word. He's going to do it through the the lifestyle of other people. He's going to do it that how's that's how he's going to he's going to people are going to live the truth, and it will become evident as you read and you'll say, I know what that looks like. I know what it looks like because I've seen it in somebody's life. I've seen it in this person, that person, or what, or I've seen it. You know, what greater way for a son or a daughter to honor their parents? to say, I've seen it in my mom and my dad. I had one of my sons say that the other day. He said, I want to be like my dad. He said, because I have seen my dad live the life. I go, That'll send chills up you, man. It's like getting a letter and saying, man, it validates what you've been doing. You know, and I'm, I'm going, and the only reason that is because I know what I was before, and I know what I am now. And the only difference is God in my life, the Holy Spirit living in me, and me and Him guiding me into the truth that I can teach the truth. That's all. It is. It is. That's what makes your joy full, complete. Makes you joyful. It makes you want to keep doing what you're doing. And I want to keep spreading the word and telling more people. So, anyway, guys, thanks for it. We're going to pick it up right here. Uh, and, and it's going to say that this is going to be the next part. It's going to be how the disciples grief that they have over him leaving. It's going to turn to joy. So we'll look at that next week. Thanks, guys.